Yeah. So before Lewis or shit, we were talking about our hot takes on the things that we're covering. So now we have to abruptly change topic because that's not appropriate for horseshit. That's not appropriate. No, for that's the tightest Do of you, all. Did you have any horseshit like ready to go? I was going to. Um, I could have sworn I had I have some horseshit. Plugs. I have stuff to plug. No, but no, not really. I mean, in life, gosh, what am I doing? I mean, I'm setting up my, I already set up like most of my man cave, you know, so I'm coming at you from my Ooh, new, like nice. I finally have a desk. New computer too, right? New computer, but more importantly to me, a room with a desk with a microphone stand that is set up that doesn't that have is... to be broken down and reset up every single time. Right. So you were like, f- you were working like a, like a war journalist yes, for a while. For five years, people should know this. Unlike all my friends who have a very simple little task a desk with a microphone sitting on the desk. Uh, I have been working out of the corner of the living room, setting my whole setup up and then breaking it down every time we podcast. And I just got used to it. And it's such a luxury to not do it. It feels Isn't like it nice incredible. to just have yeah. a microphone just there yeah. and ready. Listen to me. Yeah. Um, I remember what I wanted to mention to you. I am so, I feel like there, there might be come a time where mm. our loose horse shit will be us discussing whatever episode of Star Trek Picard you just watched. Cause I'm oh. so curious oh. <laughs> about what you're going to think. I, so I watched all three seasons and I'm pretty sure they're not going to make any more. Okay. Um, it's never great. I'll say that it's never that could, great. That could be a good, like, hey, what's up? What did you think of the last Picard? That would be on topic at least, or like people would probably people who listen maybe, to this would be interested in that. We could pair it up with the new Futuramas. Did you watch any of the new Futuramas? Only the Impossible Stream, the very first one, and I'll tell you, I watched it, and this is just literally how busy I am. It's like my favorite show in the world, and I intend to watch it. I have on my calendar, watch new Futuramas, and I move it every day, because uh, someone asked last episode, uh, you guys probably actually work a lot secretly. How much do you actually work? And the answer is yes, actually, we work a ton, Um, because if your job is fun, a lot of people want that job, and the way to keep that job is to work even harder at having fun than other people are working yeah. at having fun. <laughs> yeah. You're like slurms. Yeah. We're like yeah. slurms, Mackenzie. We are. We yeah. are. We're professional slurms, Mackenzie's. Yeah. So I haven't even had time to watch them. I just watched the first one once, and I thought, this is really disappointing, and I'm upset about how Billy West Fry voice sounds older. And then I let it sit, and I realized, you're, you're, this is your problem. You need yeah. to sit. You need to rest. Okay, now watch it again. And I watched it again. And I was like, no, it's very good. The jokes are very good. It's good. So now I'm excited to watch the rest. But it took me I, like a false start first. There's So, yeah, I, what I'll say is it was it was better than what, like reading the titles. There's an t- episode called Zap Gets Canceled. Stuff like that like, where oh, I was just God. like, yeah. oh, here we go. <laughs> Ultimately, it's just as Futurama as Futurama always was, which is like, you know, some of them were really good. Some of them weren't as good. I think there's a little bit of expectations for them to do like a quote unquote touching episode. Sure. And that felt a little forced to me that it was just like, you don't have to. Like not Two-thirds, every season right. has that banger. It's like when you realize Weird Al felt compelled to do an 11 minute song at the end of every album because he did right. one and people thought it was neat. And it's like. You don't have to do two the th- two thirds of the way through a season. It's always a Jurassic Bark that wins an Emmy. Exactly. You don't have to do that. Yeah, you don't have weird. to. And like they used to have plenty of time to not do that, you know. Uh, but yeah. now it feels like they're like, well, who knows if we're going to come back? If it's back. ten episodes, then episode seven better make me cry. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, other than okay. that, it's just like, yeah, it's Futurama. I I, I enjoy good. it. Then Picard, it's good. 
Yeah, I Picard, not as much of that feeling, but I will say about Picard watching season three, which I don't think people were like, this is this is like where it finally gets good. I don't think it was amazing, but I uh-huh. it's it's very much it better. um pounding you with nostalgia. But the part that made me feel shamed is like it worked, you know? Sure. Like they go they good go then. to like they go to a starship museum at one point and you can imagine where they're right. like, There's the Defiant, there's yeah. the Voyager, and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, I love this. I love <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, right. And of it, course. I know I? it's dangling keys, you know, like it's treating me like I'm the dumbest person and it's working. Yeah. And I hate that. Um keeps you humble. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's what it is. It's it's just like I don't think it was good, but boy, did yeah. it work on me. I also did mushrooms while watching it, which okay. helped greatly. Yeah, my thing about yeah, I, I think I said this already, but I'm doing a fully on acid playthrough of Resident Evil Four VR. Yeah, that's pretty that's baller. So good. I think I mentioned it, so I'll move on. But uh, <laughs> my thing is, uh, I we actually know now. Or at least know through association or friends of friends. But like, for example, Cody Ziegler is a friend and he's been on uh, Small Beans a couple times. He's one of the writers on the new season of Futurama. So like, it's weird to know people who are actually creating it now. Or like, you know, I worked with Jeff Loveness, a lot of Cracked, and now he's writing Marvel movies. So this is always trippy. And it makes you, it does do a thing to the judgment center of your brain. Because... Uh, a magician seems like they're magic until you get to know them as a person and find out all how they do all the tricks. Right. And right. so there's a fact that like I would, I was raised to think that this group of people, in fact, I was raised to think Harvard matters, right? Like I was raised to think that people who go to Harvard are actually smarter. And in real life, right. that's not true. You'll meet geniuses who never had the chance to go to Harvard. You meet Harvard people who are fucking dipshits. Um, and but I was raised to believe that there was this secret cadre of like David X. Cohen and uh, Conan O'Brien and all these people hanging out and going to Harvard and getting physics degrees so that they could write the most intelligent comedy to ever grace humanity. And for a while, Futurama really did feel like that, right? Because they make oh, jokes yeah. that you're like, wow, that joke required math. Why did you, what, you know, and yeah, I feel like I will say is like looking stuff up in the that's writer's right. room. <laughs> yeah, but they don't anymore this is my point is that now that it is a show show that runs on its own fuel and it runs on the idea that we love these characters we like these characters we want more of this show as itself i do feel like they hire writers whose background is writing good jokes and they're overlooking the fact that like i don't know i'm just gonna say cody ziggler because i know him but i don't know if he is like I know he is a sci-fi nerd, but I don't know if his jam is like coming up with mathematical problems or trippy philosophical conundra, right? Yeah. His thing is he was an L.A. comedian and a comics guy who grew up writing comics and jokes and blah, blah, blah. And then he got hired to write jokes. Well, so I it, do miss I'm like, uh, it's not as hard sci-fi as it used to be, is my no, impression. I was about to say the same issue is with Star Trek Picard, which is that this season just like the three seasons of Star Trek Picard, it's like real baseline. It's like, what if there's an anomaly that's actually alive? And it's like, yeah. And the simplicity is a throwback. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but repeating yourself is not a and throwback. I will say, it's- <laughs> new season of Futurama has a little bit of that. Where like they yeah. whip out like the time machine again. And it's like, they, they don't really like, they don't feel as confident about 
You know, this is and this is right. about and that's what yeah. I mean, the like so the one I watched, the Impossible Stream. The closest thing to that that you could say is, well, they dealt with the idea of injecting more memory into your brain than you could experience in real time, like downloading skills like the Matrix. Right. That's the only real sci-fi concept that it touched on, and that's a pretty basic ass sci-fi concept. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's also it's hard because like I, you know, writing for some more news, we get submissions, and you, you it's always that it's like. At a certain point, I'm like, what do I even want from these people? I feel like it's impossible because sometimes you get a script and you're like, this feels too much like in like just trying to be an episode. If that makes sense, where it's like, <laughs> and oh, they're, they're like, what up, do you want doing, from me? That's yeah, what I wanted to do. All, is right. All, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, I, I kind of want it to be to add to it, humor wise. Yeah. yeah, but also it does need to be like an episode. So like at a certain point, I'm sure it's you know nothing against the current writers i would be doing the exact same thing if i were in that writing room it's a copy of a copy where it's like you're doing the stuff that you were you grew up with and you're coming in the you're in the wake of people that you're in awe of you're probably less likely to be like i think we should throw it all out the window and make fry you know a cat now you know like you're scared to get laughed out of the room if you're you know, yeah, the people coming in the second wave. It makes there's sense. There's a certain, yeah, and also the higher ups, like, uh, is, is slightly related. The new Assassin's Creed, I'm so excited for Mirage. But one of the things I know I've said this a few times places. Really? Well, I, I love the. They're just all the same at this well, point. Well, no, this was a, what I was going to get to. I'm excited about it because it's back to the stealth stuff, apparently. Uh-huh. Like, they went back to the first three. So and it's I've like already a, played those also. I'm well, saying yeah, it's enough yeah. with the Assassin's Creed. I get it. It's, no, no, you run I, around, you stab people with the thing in the hand. I there's been 12. Totally, I get I it. totally understand that. I think that there's... Like, I get a new Call of Duty every year, and I there's no way no, for me to justify I fell that. off. I just can't. It's like Madden, right? That's, it's just no, like, but it's the I same see, fucking game. I'm amazed was, you can still do it. I load up a Call of Duty, and I go, I just can't do this again. It's because I'm good at it, and it, it's fun. Like, but... You know what I mean? There's certain games that you can just keep doing. Assassin's Creed is that for me, especially since they're going back to the old school version. However, somewhere in their offices, there's some executive who's like, no, it has to be in the Middle East or Egypt. Or it's like, make it in 70s yeah. New York. Make it in World War One. I. I don't know what right. rule they created that like it's a bad rule and they don't realize it. To them, they're like, no, nah, we got to do it this way. And it's like, do you though? Like, wouldn't you want to play an Assassin's well, Creed? Well, Ancient Greece was... is not. You're saying why are they stuck in the time period more? Yeah, right? in like, that, okay. in that, like ancient they're like it has time to be period. the Renaissance or some shit. Yeah, yeah, and it's like make it the 70s. There's Dude, no reason not no, to. No, I always thought, <laughs> I joked about it, but I actually think it would be awesome. Assassin's Creed, where you have to go to Woodstock and track someone through the crowd, yes! and not kill the wrong person, but yes! kill a specific person. Like that's what's <laughs> crazy is like I think that's a very repeatable game with yeah. the gameplay it's what's making it feel samey is it's they keep picking the same general oh, totally. times and i'm not claiming like iraq is obviously a totally different obviously. vibrant culture than egypt but i just played assassin's creed oasis through for one upsmanship and now i'm even less interested in another desert themed yeah. assassin's creed it's all, yeah. yeah they're like this time it's better graphics but you're still just jumping on the same buildings and it's like give me again give me the empire state building have them jump into dumpsters instead yeah. of hay bales do something you can do this you you there's nothing i feel like they want to use the same assets too where they're like listen this is easier to do yeah. if we just like update i don't know this is star trek the next futurama let's start the theme okay welcome to star trek the next futurama 
an epic team-up between Gamefully Unemployed and Small Beans. For access to the entire series, find us on Patreon. And now your hosts, Mike and Dave. Is that okay? Is that all right? Oh, yeah. Approved. All correct. There's always a level of blue balls, right? Because I, I get lost in the loose horse shit. In the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Although, um, no, I don't know what you mean when you say, you know what I mean? There's game, some games you can play forever. That's the unique thing about me. And Adam, it also frustrates Adam. No, I get bored uh, of every game. There's Mr. no such Elders, thing as a game that I don't get bored fucking of. Fucking Mr. Dark Souls Adam, are you kidding me? He plays the same. He's been playing <laughs> no, Cyberpunk No, 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 I'm Destiny. saying he's with you. He's with you. Oh, okay. And then you're freak. like, Adam also I'm doesn't like this. Because once I've played a game, I'm, I don't need a sequel. I'm done. I get it. I, I understand the game loop. I'm I'm done with that game loop. I need a new one now, please. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I I think everybody has their thing, right? Yeah. That they'll do. Like, you know when in Metroidvania, maybe, is the closest, because I'll play any Metroidvania like it's junk food, sure. You know, like, when you watch a movie and there's an old person, they're watching, like, the Three Stooges, and you know, like, oh, they've watched that for the millionth time. It's their comfort. In the future, there'll be old people doing that, like, video video games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, right. I love, of course, someone... It's an old joke at this point, but the first time I, it was pointed out to me that like our generation will be in old folks' homes saying like smoke weed every day and shit. Yeah. And they'll be like, um, we do. We all inject weed into our eyeballs now, Grandpa. Yeah. Your shit we'll is be, totally old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be insufferable. <laughs> folks. We'll be like nostalgic about 90s gangster rap. <laughs> Welcome to Star Trek Next Future. Oh, yeah. The, the show played. Shit. Yeah. The show where we match up Star Trek episodes with Futurama episodes. I'm one of the hosts, David Bell. You're Michael Swaim, the yep. other host. Um, this is on the uh, Gamefully Unemployed networks. For the for the other half, you can go to the Small Beans Network. Um, thank you so much for supporting us. We are. Should we just jump right into it? We should. It's it's a biggie. Because it's a biggie because this is an infamous episode of Futurama, and I will I will take us through it, and then you will tell us what it pairs with. That's this right. is season five, episode two. Jurassic Bark. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this again, man. I just can't. I honestly, honest to God, I this is the one I've seen the least because of this. Because it's just sad. Oh, dude, um, so I actually like watching did. it again, I was like, oh, I forgot all these. And jokes. it's not because of only the story itself. We'll talk about it, but like, I have dogs in my life that I've had a tragic ending with, right? So yeah. it's just so easy. It worked again. Oh, yeah. I cried at the end. And Every while time. feeling the dread of, I don't want to, though. Like, stop doing this to me. Right. <laughs> no, same, same. Every time I go through something like this, it's the same thing where my cat is soundly sleeping and I walk into the room and start, like, hugging her. And she's yeah. just like, get the fuck Leave away me from me. Yeah. yeah, what the fuck are you doing? Um, so Fry uh, goes to a museum exhibit. They're watching the news, right? It starts with them watching TV, if oh, I'm yeah. not mistaken. And they learned that there's um, an exhibit of a of a, a 20th century pizza place. He slowly realizes that it is, in fact, the one he worked at, Panucci's. Um, and he finds, uh, you know, they do some bits, which we'll talk about, where they're guessing, like, what what the stuff in the museum is. I believe was, it you know, also the must be established like, at this point that Bender is trying to be a magician. Sorry. Oh, that's, right. Yeah, You're right. That's key. Bender's <laughs> trying to be a magician. That is, that's the B plot. Um, so they go to this museum exhibit and he finds his fossilized dog. We get some flashbacks uh, establishing that he in fact had a dog because this is, <laughs> they, they just plug the dog in. Um, and so like the, the B plot of, or the, the, I'll just run through the dog stuff, which is that he had this dog. He delivered to this place that was Seymour asses. 
Um, and and it was clearly a prank phone call. He found the dog. He ate pizza with it. The dog followed him around as he delivered pizzas and was essentially his dog that he had for several years, like three years, I think he says. Um, and uh, until Fry was cloned, and or not cloned, uh, frozen. And when Fry was frozen, the dog essentially um, kept trying to tell everybody that he knew where Fry was and no one would listen to the dog. Um, that's in most of the flashbacks except for, of course, the ending, which we'll get to. Meanwhile, in the future, uh, Fry demands that the museum gives up his dog. It's his dog. So he protests in front of the museum by doing the hustle. (laughs) Um, And they kind of, they throw away the reason, but the museum essentially just goes, yeah, here's your dog. Um, And so uh, the professor says that he can use a DNA sample in essentially Jurassic Jurassic Park, the dog, hence the name Jurassic Park, um they're gonna make a clone meanwhile bender gets really jealous because in his mind like how dare fry have any other friends that isn't him uh and of course uh, a dog a lesser species how could he um so bender starts getting really um jealous while fry begins to prepare to to um clone this dog we get more flashbacks highlighting the things i said that like the dog was the only person who was looking for him he even brought his family to the cryogenics lab and the family just did not notice that fry was right there um uh meanwhile in the present they decide to god man they use like the molten core of the earth that's Uh, right the power, power of the core of the earth which to power isn't the clone this won't machine. be the la- this won't be the last time they do this <laughs> well it's great because he so says weird. we have to use the power of the earth and he opens the skylight and lightning crashes and then yeah. he lowers them into the basement to use the geothermal energy geothermal <laughs> yeah and um so they're going to use this geothermal energy to clone the dog bender gets um fed up with this and he throws the fucking dog Fetch, into bitch. the lava yeah real mean bender real mean bender he doesn't understand what he did was so it's mean. real jerk ass like homer bender yeah it really is um but then they learned that the fossil was made of dolomite which uh i guess uh can stand the heat uh and bender re- realizing what he did and how bad it was he he reveals that he is also part dolomite um and he retrieves the fossil they begin the cloning process, and in that process, the professor realizes that Seymour the dog died at 15 years old, meaning that he t- lived 12 years after Fry was frozen. Fry realizes, like, you know what? The dog already lived. Lived, lived and died, and I'm in the it future. Had a whole, yeah. yeah, and so, like, I need to let it go. I mean, I would argue that the clone was never going to be the dog, but that's, you know that's never, neither here nor there like he could still eat cloning that your clone dog. was not literally that dog it wouldn't yeah yeah although which they, honestly they, also they said it would him. have his memories so that does kind of change it yeah that's fucked up because he um, can still sing walking on sunshine impossibly all right. yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so it's a different version of cloning yeah. but ultimately fry is like you know he he had he moved on right. i need to he forgot about me and then we end of course on the infamous flashback that shows that uh, contrary to what Fry thinks, Seymour actually spent the rest of his life waiting in front of Panucci's Pizza for Fry to return until he died of old age. Which I remember the first time I watched this. I watched it with a friend. We were both in a rotten mood, and we were uh-huh. like, "Let's watch Futurama." 
put us in a good mood <laughs> and yeah. was like well that didn't do that at all you motherfuckers yeah um and that's the Ugh. ending and it's an infamous ending um according to be behind the scenes the dvd commentary apparently originally it was going to be one of his parents <laughs> not a dog wow yeah and it was like, gonna well, be like his mom waits in the yard every day waiting yeah. for him and then dies jesus yeah, uh, it's Christ. funny is that to me that's actually less sad in there you're like we should do dog dog is sadder yeah exactly yeah, weirdly yeah and yeah. we all know or i think i know i think i figured that out your pets dying can be feel sharply more painful than a person you know dying yeah. because it's so uncomplicated. It's like a person who only ever had positive interactions with you. Like exactly, you never, you never, never fought speak. with them. You never, yeah. When a person well, dies, it yeah. it's longer grieving process and it's way more complicated. Yeah, of a I've definitely fought with my cat, but yes, you're right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. do feel like that's generally the rule where we're like, how come my dad died and I just thought about it for years, but my cat died and I can't stop crying about that right. shit? Yeah. I think it's because also, like, you never feel like you made, like, the one wish everybody has is, like, I wish I could just talk to my pet once. Like, you never right. feel like you fully communicated to your pet how much you loved it you know like it, it's never oh that's not why i'd fuck to with me, its mind really hard one oh, you yeah. know one time to me it's just like you i always feel like it you never quite got to have the full relationship Ooh, that you want you know what i would do if i could talk to my dog only one time i would say hey i can understand you actually everyone can understand you if they pretend they can't they're just ignoring you <laughs> And then That's just see good. what he does with that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, would literally just be like, okay, <laughs> let me explain cars real quick. And now just I don't like, have to have here's a leash why on you're you. a prisoner. Yeah. yeah here's right. why you're a prisoner. This is why if you can get past this, you won't have to be a prisoner. I can let you out, but you understand now the world is trying to kill you. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of the world trying to kill you, let's finish the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, so what does this yeah. match up with? I will match it up with a Star Trek The Next Generation that we previously agreed upon. Uh, the only clue I can throw out is that if you multiply the season number by the episode number, it's 49, which is a prime number, meaning there's only one possible combination it could be, and that's yep. season seven, episode seven, Dark Page. Dark Page. If that name rings a bell, you probably already understand that a dog is very similar to a child. A dog is very similar Better to a than child. A child. Better yeah. than a child. Um, so in this episode, if you don't recall it, Luaxana Troy, heir of the fifth house of the Chalice of Reeks and shit, is helping teach a race called the Cairn, who have giant pulsating brains, and that's how you know they're psychic, learn how to speak. Because as we were just discussing about dogs, uh, they don't understand cars. No, they don't yeah. know how to speak. They don't know how to communicate in spoken language because unlike Betazoids, who have had both historically, they've been psychic always, and their race has always been psychic. Interesting to me that they formed tongues because, or that their tongues have an atrophied. I don't know. We'll get into it, I guess, if we do. I, I, it's just occurring to me now. But like, why do they have such a complicated mouth, evolutionarily speaking? But regardless... Uh, I guess just for eating. The Cairn are learning how to speak so that they can become part of the Federation, right? And part of the broader community. And it's hard for them because normally they only think in imagery. So uh, they communicate through a rush of images and they don't have the concept of privacy 
they are fully psychically hooked up almost like the Borg are, but not evil, right? And uh, they have these devices, these voice boxes that are helping their atrophied vocal cords make sound, and they're learning to talk. And they're having a party aboard the Enterprise to welcome the Cairn. And mm. Luaxana is gonna is like their main teacher and has been coaching them and is gonna continue to coach them. And now they're being immersed in our culture, right? And they're they're starting to learn to talk enough so that they're talking to people. And of course, if you know the Luaxana uh, Diana dynamic, uh, Diana Troy, her daughter, comes in. Uh, looking so fine, I have to add. Amazing in this episode. Oh, uh, yeah. To, She's always smoking. Yeah, to uh, attend the party, just to attend a function. And Luoxana, of course, very much like Amy's parents, wants her to marry one of the guys there. She's like, hey, I met this guy. I told him you would marry him. Um, so Troy has sort of an uncomfortable interaction with Maquis, I think is his name. Yeah, yeah that's he's right. the one who says, like, I'm told that I should Your mother marry told you. me that you need a husband. I am a husband. I with need a wife. creep smile. And it's like, what's funny is, even if you, even if you translated that into a complex sentence, it still doesn't feel appropriate to be the first thought you would send at someone but anyway yeah. um he smiles and we get the impression he's not a creep that he just doesn't know how to mm. communicate yeah um and that when she's like uh this is awkward he takes the hints so he's likable i think he's pretty likable we yeah. also meet his daughter uh who luoxana looks at at his daughter a little girl and then suddenly feels some kind of psychic pain she's remembering interview with a vampire she's That's like right. you were of course. in that weren't you <laughs> and then, I did not know that. I have not seen that movie. Good That's Kirsten Dunst. That's wait, Kirsten that, Dunst. Wait, That's what? Spider-Man's what? Kirsten Dunst. What? You didn't know that? No. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, so Kirsten Dunst makes Luoxana feel uh, psychic pain, and then uh, Troy notices and asks what's wrong, and she glosses over it and changes the subject by saying, I love you so much, you know? I just love you. You're the you're all I've got. If something happened to you, I don't know what I'd do. Make was apologizes for the confusion. Uh, he explains, he says, your mother of you has an image of her in, her in her mind. And I was assuming that image was true. And it was, I guess, of a needy woman who wants a husband. But yeah. he's like, now I see the real you and I'm still intrigued. I hope we can get to know each other. They're having a flirtation is the point. Um, I am going to leave now. I am glad you stopped by. I am glad I stopped by also. Whoa, is this too steamy? Mm. <laughs> but anyway, they have hot, hot conversations like that. Troy's mom continues to act weirder and weirder, culminating with her yelling at Riker in the middle of a 10 forward. Some true yeah. shit, honestly. She says <laughs> true shit. Say, like, I think she's right. I think she's you're right. You're the reason she can't marry anyone. Because you have this weird thing where you, are you going to marry her or not? Are you going to fuck her or not? Leave my yeah. daughter alone. And, and I was like, just watching like, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Someone said it. But, of course, you're not supposed to do that on the Enterprise. And uh, she apologizes for acting like that. But she continuously, continuously says, I'm fine. I don't want people's help. Please leave me alone. There's nothing wrong. Right? That's the pattern. Right. Um, make we come. You yeah. know, there's other, like, ensigns in that room who are just like, thank you. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Their shit is so weird. And now yeah, we've been, I heard Worf is banging her nail. I don't understand yeah. this shit, man. Um, anyway, Makewis comes and says, I'm trying to explain. Yeah, your mom, something's hurting her. And he's like, she has bad thoughts that she doesn't share. And we share all our thoughts. And she's like, that's just privacy. And then later it happens again more. And he says, no, 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 more than that. Right. And they start to come to understand with Makewis's help that she has 
piece of thought inside her that is toxifying her what they call metaconscious, which is some form of consciousness that only psychics have that can get so toxic that you sort of get toxic shock syndrome and can die. Right. So she's falling into a coma because there's this traumatic thought that she refuses to engage with. And he says, it's not like privacy. It's like a suppressed memory. Like she won't, she has a locked up toxin in her brain that she refuses to confront. So to try to deal with it, Troy, using Maquis as a bridge, a psychic bridge, Maquis can incept people, basically. So if you both psychically link to him and he's like the bridge, then you are in a shared psychic space that's just like Inception. Surprise. It turns out it looks just like the Enterprise because we couldn't afford another set. Yes. Womp womp. So... We now go into Luoxana's mind as Troy. We meet a version of Picard who goes like, I order you not to unsuppress this memory. And she's like, you're not Picard. (laughs) And then there's a wolf and she's like, you're not that wolf I know from the Enterprise. You're just a mind wolf. And the point is the Luoxana does everything she can to keep her from interacting with the memory. But at the same time, there's a part of Luoxana that keeps going, help me, help me. I I actually do need your help. So she persists and we basically get a physical metaphor of a counselor helping her mother come to terms with a memory that she's never shared. They go to her journals and they find out that there's this chunk of time that was deleted. And like, she did write journals. She writes journals every day. By the way, they very casually look at their mother's private journal. Um, But they're like, well, this whole year she deleted all the blah, blah, all the entries. Um, so ask her about that no, time. It's seven years, seven, seven years. years sorry. Like that, yeah. Seven years. Wow. That's crazy. Cause that means it's, I, it, I that means it's impossible notes, for Deanna not to have had memories of this no, period. But anyway, yeah, so I, I just have to note that Troy is just like, I've gone through a journal and there's nothing. And then Picard sits down and 30 and he's seconds. Like, Did you not he's notice like, that she yeah. deleted seven years of it? Yeah. And she's like, Oh <laughs> weird. And it's that like, is Jesus weird. Christ, man. Yeah. So, she goes, okay, I'm going back in. She goes back in. She says, mom, I know there's something at this time. You got to tell me. The mom says, no, 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 no. She says, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And then she finally does. She has the horrible breakdown. We get the reveal, which is that Deanna Troy has a sister that tragically drowned very young. And we relive the memory. I guess she kind of looks like Kirsten Dunst. And yeah. when she saw Kirsten Dunst fucking around and falling into a pond in the ship's arboretum, it made her remember the suppressed memory of the time she saw her daughter drown in a pond. And so uh, she's like, so obviously... I don't really want to look at that memory. And Troy's like, no, you fucking look at it. You look at it now, mom. You yeah, look at you that watch shit. You watch it. Drown. And she watches it and she goes, thank you. I feel better now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's how trauma works. And she talks to the dead daughter, whose name was Kestra. And she says, I want to know everything about you. And Kestra says, I have to go now. <laughs> And uh, I guess that's how you heal. Like she just fades away, which is so funny because they literally could have sat there, gotten to know her, unpacked. But no, like Troy is like Deanna Troy is like, tell me about her. What was she like? And she goes, oh, she was great. Okay, she has to go now. <laughs> I was waiting for her just like, you know, it's like a seven-year-old, like, we don't, boring, We don't honestly. need to, like, weave her into the show, though. Yeah, she yeah, likes so. dolls, you know, typical, yeah. typical shit. shit. Yeah, so, um, you know, we find out she out existed. And we never mention her again, just like Seymour. Yeah. But that's not the only reason. That's what we paired. That's the pairing. Uh, it yeah. ends with Deanna saying, tell me about her. I want to know about her. The end. Good job. 
Thank you. Um, I guess we can keep chugging along. I got a lot to say about these episodes. Uh-huh. But first, we have to talk about how they match up with our next segment. Good news, number one. Good news, number one. First and foremost, I would say, of the similarities, it's that uh, they talk about how Deanna and her uh, sister and mother used to sing the same special song together all the time down in the valley just like fry and seymour used to sing walking on sunshine and that was their main deal (laughs) oh that's a great one i um yeah obviously it's um, sunshine (laughs) it's it's you know to both both involve characters who have lost someone small that they didn't talk about until this moment that's right Um, the loss is tragic. They have to relive it, essentially. There's and no real reason for them not to have talked about it before. And yeah. there's especially no reason for them to never mention it again. But yeah. Fry, other than one callback joke where they mention, you know, as a toss away, like, Seymour died, dog. and they don't care. There's um, one where they find another fossilized Right, and dog. they're like, don't tell Fry. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, I mean, he never mentions it again. And same, Luoxana nor Deanna never mention Kestra again. Kestra, there's no like, you know, it's like the show forgot she existed, which I yeah. do think is very similar. In both the the memory or is brought up by a sci-fi process, right? A sci-fi trope. Um, the 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 mind meld versus the cloning. Right. There's a way. The ways. The sci-fi crux of the episode is a way that we're going to relive a series of linked flashbacks that will reveal a hidden tragedy. I mean, you yeah. structurally, they couldn't be more similar. It's just whether you think a dog counts as a kid. I also I would say, technically, both endings imply that a dog dies at the end. Because in the Star Trek, she talks about how Kestra was trying to save their dog from drowning. And then Kestra oh, yeah. drowned. So you got to assume the dog drowned. Damn, yeah. <laughs> I um, Yeah, I do think the broad messages of the the two are a little different yep, um but they are like, we talked about that when we were yeah, paying, yeah i was i was i was really looking for a star trek episode about the idea of maybe it's better to leave the genie in the bottle essentially which is what they land on in futurama whereas rather this is about bringing you know healing bring it trauma out. bring it out and but, deal with it yeah Ultimately, I think they pair up pretty well. The alien who needs a wife is he Bender? Who's the weird creep? Uh, uh, or who's right. the who's I the was, who's the Bender? I was Troy go, maybe. Yeah, I was like, fishing for who's the dick. It's maybe Picard because I do feel like in this episode Picard's scenes are like, what's going on? Can we not get over this? Like, is yeah. this not resolved yet? That is kind of his vibe the uh, whole time. <laughs> Picard is checked out this episode. Yes, I love it. Totally Again, checked out. To the point where he's like, oh, let me look at the diary. Immediately spot someone. And he you should idiot. be like, Troy, yeah. I'm going to go take a dump. You, you figure you, this you out. Okay. This. Yeah. For the sounds love like of Christ. Some personal don't bother shit me. Again. To me. This yeah, sounds like better. a YP, not a PP. Yeah. And, um, uh, oh, I also would say, that both in the central thing is uh, a well, it's not a body of water, but the lava pool reminded me of the recurring pond. Oh, that's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, there's my only wolf. other thing is there's a wolf, there's a dog. Oh, I yeah. might be out. Yeah, my only other note I wrote is both are a real fucking bummer. Um, They're real fucking know. bummer, and also, of course, endless loyalty is the tragedy. Like right. that, Luoxana will never forget Kestra, no matter how hard she tries, and Seymour cannot get over fry and all the way to his death yeah yeah for sure all right yeah that's it well that was quick i think it was uh, again i think it's a good pair up there's just not much like 
there's no there's i don't think there's any of those like fun coincidences you know like the the b plot there is no b plot in the tng really right i guess it's those stupid well, brain aliens but... i mean they're trying to learn to talk is that a magic trick no not really no yeah i fucking really hate match. those brain aliens the Cairns? i think they're disgusting yeah. Yeah, they're, they're disgusting. I love the idea that the costume designer, or you know, the prosthetics and the MUA was like, "Well, they're psychic." You yeah. know what? I got an idea, and you're like, "Please yeah. don't let it be." Please don't. Oh, giant no. brain. Okay, oh, fix All your right. brain. Your disgusting brain. All right, let's talk about it more in "Bite My Shiny Prime Directive." Bite my shiny Prime Directive. Also incredible that they're like, he still has to be sexy though. He's a love interest in the episode. Do the giant yeah. brain, but sexy though. While we're talking about them, why would they have the same mouths? If they only communicate telepathically, wouldn't yeah, they have right. like gray alien mouths? That's what, why would they have, yeah, they should be little like um, holes. Just, just a butthole that takes food in. That's all yeah. you need. Yeah. I guess you still got to be sucking and fucking, but like. <laughs> got to be. <laughs> yeah, you got to be as part of the, yeah, it, it's, it's, they're stupid. I hate these aliens. <laughs> I fucking hate them. But their vocals are like atrophied. They freaks. Because they talk yeah. through a little robot thing. So the implication is that they don't have vocal cords or at right. least their vocal cords have atrophied. Yeah, they wouldn't have the same mouse. I don't know. They're little I freaks. Love, they're weird uh, little freaks. I had an image of you in my mind, but now that I, yeah, from your mother, but now that I I meet you i see you're even more beautiful oh great my mom thinks i'm ugly is that yeah. how good <laughs> thanks you dick yeah, thanks mom. also i all right while we're talking about them i also don't understand why it's harder for them to speak when it's implied heavily that it's it's the telekinesis is more complex as a way to talk where it's like talking simplifying your speech in my point of view is easier than co- making your speech more complex. Mm. Is it simplifying or is it translating though? Because I would say an image to a word, a string of words really is translating more yeah, than I simplifying. Yeah, I just, I don't think the episode ever sells it. Like when he's like, what is heaven? And she can't explain it. I was like, it's a perceived paradise for after you, you die. Like right. it's, it's like, no, it's no, she shoots hard. an image at him and he goes, oh, heaven, which is funny because the image could have just been clouds and then you'd be like, I understand air travel. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Climate. Like, why would that be clear? Right. That's the thing. If anything, it's less clear depending That's on right. oh our i know perceived like our shared especially yeah, if you consider that they say the way we communicate is direct nothing can be hidden so they can't even edit the images that they're thinking of meaning they experience whatever images anyone's thinking at random at all times right. i don't even understand how they can meaningfully communicate Rock with each Sun. other yeah right <laughs> is gonna project heaven to him and he's like ah i see it is boning picard and now yes, everyone else around him also thinks that because he can't edit what right. images he puts out yeah it's it's like a t- hair uh, t- a horrible game of telephone would be played yeah. at all times they suck there's shitty like aliens. have you played that board game mysterium yeah that is this whole species it's a species that's just playing mysterium all the time trying to run a society yeah fucking terrible and i assume we never hear from them again because they failed out of the federation and starved to death yeah oh yeah they starved (laughs) to death 100 percent. they couldn't communicate how to get food these idiots fucking idiots Um, go ahead go ahead no no you go oh well i was gonna say compared to the betazoid then psychicness um I tried to explain before bad thoughts, they hurt her. Uh, you know, so the whole thing that's added to Betazoid psychicness and the idea is that Betazoids speak with their mouths, but they also can think in words and hear each other's words, but they control it. So, you know, like Jean Grey telepath, telepathy, right. like the kind that you're used to from X-Men. Um, so given that, does that, so like, 
do bad feelings make them sick? Or do Betazoids need to constantly not think bad thoughts? Are they like the cheery Twilight Zone people in that Corn Kid episode? So can I reveal <laughs> a detail of Star Trek Picard? Because I thought this sure. was a cool idea. If it informs it, us, of course. Yeah, there's a... So Riker and... You know that Riker and Troy got married in the end of Star Trek Nemesis or the yeah. beginning of Star Trek Nemesis. So, you know, they're married. They do a thing where they're suffering a loss. And the idea is like Troy can't stand he- feeling what Riker's feeling. Oh, um, and they which have I to really, separate. I, li- I really liked that idea, which is like, it is cool. It's unfair. And Riker said, you know, it is unfair that it's like, I, I shouldn't have to censor how I feel. Uh, but right. it's like that's a cool dynamic but what are you gonna do yeah. we're attached in a different yeah, way exactly. than the episode attached yeah uh yeah so i think it's interesting i'm just saying that's kind of fucked up a whole yeah. race that has to th- not think bad thoughts or it will make them sick like no wonder she's yeah. such a or ray of just, light positivity <laughs> or they just accept it where it's like troy is just like yeah i can appreciate the feeling or, of yeah, killing i'm in a pain like of wanting I'm in to pain. kill somebody sure i'm in pain all the time because of sadness sure aren't we all we're used yeah, to Yeah, they're it. just more numb, you know? They're just like, yeah, yeah feeling emotions it's like that or whatever. like that Sopranos meme that just sort of adds a uh, good pair of lines from that show. Uh, yay, Polly, you ever worry or get the feeling that, like, nothing good was ever going to happen to you for the rest of your life? Yeah, nothing did. What's your point? <laughs> so good. Yeah, um, that is so good. Uh, yeah, it made me think a lot about Betazoids, especially because of we meet Lon Suter later in voyager who says i'm a betazoid most betazoid most he says most betazoids can sense other people's emotions i can't even sense my own because he's a sociopath i just find betazoid telepathy actually fascinating because you add a few wrinkles in and it becomes really complex okay so some of them aren't telepathic at all and to that society those people are like sociopaths because they have no feeling that's fascinating to me and like so when Maquis says, I lack the words to describe what Waxana is going through, and then he just sends Troy an image, and then, in, and then Troy feels the psychic pain, what was the image he sent her? Because it can't be a daughter drowning, because then she would know the reveal. I so think, yeah. how did he send her an image of pure pain? What is an I image of sadness or trauma? It's got to be there isn't a physical, like an image like we're picturing, right? Like in our mind's eye, I think it's just a feeling. Um, so where it's like, so what's heaven? Just she sends like a feeling of bliss, yeah. and that's why to me it feels like a less good form of a communication. No, it that sounds like a nightmare. You just yeah. feel feelings and try to guess what people mean. <laughs> yeah, it's like the internet. It's like the internet. It's exactly like the internet. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's the, these no. aliens are bullshit. They're bullshit. I know, and I aliens. and I, it's kind of like I wondered why they were even in the episode. I get that they trigger the thing because she I, sees their kid, but it I have almost a theory. they almost didn't need to be part of the episode. My theory is they're a red herring because there's so many psychic alien episodes where they turn out to be weird little freaks. Like, and he acts, to be causing it. There's a part where Picard is like, "Is he doing this? Is he evil?" Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, um, yeah. So maybe I, I the writers were like, well, even if there is no bad guy in this one, we got to give them someone they think is a bad guy, at least. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I so I my criticism of this episode is it feels like it's spinning its wheels a little bit. I was like, this this needs a B plot. Like, the, again, there's a scene where she's like, I'm going to go look at her diary. She sits and looks at her diary and is like nothing there. And then Picard's like, let me look at her diary. And then they notice the thing. And it's like, just do it once. 
Like, yeah. it felt like they didn't have a B-plot, and so they just had to keep standing there and being like, yep, this is what's happening. Oh, dude. And we when don't they, know what's happening. <laughs> when they go under the gold blankets, like the cell, and they go into each other's minds, and he's the bridge, right? At the right. end of the episode... The, this is how little the Karen matter when they wake up he's not there anymore and they're yes. just holding hands smiling so what happened with the Karen did like, they learn gonna, to talk go. did they join yeah. the Federation where the fuck is that guy where did yeah. he go what doesn't happened? matter yeah it doesn't matter doesn't um, matter also there I, this is uh, maybe this is too much of a criticism I think that kid died too fast so Jesus like Christ Dave well, listen you <laughs> said it drowned her name was Hedrill sir yeah it's highly it's it's heavily implied that the kid drowned, but we never see what happened to the oh, kid. That's true. She got a banged her head on a rock. Maybe ooh, all I'm saying maybe is the that dog this, killed her trying to save itself. Maybe, but <laughs> I I guess what I wanted to say is in this future, it was just like I can't believe that they can't re, like bring back a drowning victim. Like they've brought back people who are frozen and dead, and that's just a basic CPR situation. Exactly, think, right. Like, and she doesn't even, they just show them like crying and holding the body. And I was like, do something. So right. that's why I have to assume like she, her head got caved in on a rock or something uh, because yeah. like, it just seemed like the, they give up on the kid way too fast in the flashback. Oh, I know. I, she drowns yeah. like nothing. Yeah. Well, it's also, she, so this is my thing is Luoxana. I wonder if it's just a betazoid thing that you, you give up. Maybe they're all flighty and don't give a shit about stuff. Cause I'll just say, <laughs> uh, Luox, the Luoxon in this episode has a repeated pattern of just letting stuff go really easily that you should yeah. be like, no, let's settle in and think about this. Like we talked about how she goes, oh, now that I've seen Kestra again for one second, I'm ready to let go of her. And then also she's in her brain and she meets her dad, right? She runs into a version of her dead dad and he's clearly there to like slow her down and trick her you know like keep yeah. her busy and he goes diana it's been so long we'll never have this chance again and she says goodbye daddy i'm sorry we couldn't get to know each other why will they never have that chance again couldn't they easily do this later this mind melt like, later isn't yeah, it just not? a psychic way of sharing your memories of dad with your daughter i don't yeah, understand really why they do can't it replicate it yeah. yeah so it seems like betazoids are just like i'm moving on like that's okay. a very Betazoid thing is like, I'm yeah. just moving on from that. Cause that's also how long suitor works. All Betazoids yeah. seem to work that way. And again, Picard just not interested in any of this shit. Couldn't and I shit. understand it's not that interesting either. And I know that's weird, but like the sci-fi element of like, what if they mind melded? I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've done this a million times. It's just not a particularly compelling. The most interesting thing about this, episodes that kirsten dunst is in it yes um second most interesting thing to me is that i i noticed a new thing about star trek and had to look it up on memory alpha and was like i can't believe i've i'm such a trekkie and didn't know that all betazoids have black eyes including deanna oh yeah good for that them. is that is a that is a racial trait of betazoids i always thought lon Suter had black contacts to make him look like a crazy psycho and i right. never noticed that loaxa that deanna's eyes are black yeah like yeah, yeah i just saw he was they were making him look like a stephen dorf type i just thought marina sirtis had very dark eyes but no or wait is it stephen dorf or brad dorf it's brad, brad dorf, dorf. Yeah. yeah stephen dorf is is the isn't he guy. dorf on golf or whatever <laughs> i don't know he's bl All he's right. blade oh um, he's blade okay he's blade Wow, so I'm, I'm thinking of Tim Conway. That was three dwarfs that we got <laughs> out there. Good cut. 
Nice. I I didn't care for the Star Trek, and I think it seemed like your shock before we when we talked about this uh, might be the audience shock. I didn't care for the Futurama either. Um, I find that shocking. Yes, I think so people will. Here's I my think someone just reason. gasped in their car. Here's my reason. I never cared for this episode. That's part of the thing is that I haven't watched it much, and it's because it's it's only cruelty, and I don't get much out of it because. I don't actually think the message is particularly profound. I don't think dogs do this. I know dogs will visit the graves Dude, of their dead owners wait, and stuff. Wait, dogs literally do this. No, there's a famous dog in Japan who followed her dad Hana, to the Hana. train station every day. And when he died, she kept going to the train station every day until she died at the train station. Hana brought this up to me as well. Here's what I mean is that that train station dog, I guarantee also still had an owner that it loved and loved it. Dogs oh, grieve. Sure. sure dogs sure, grieve. Sure. It's the manner in which they make Seymour grieve. This idea that he is abandoned outside and like never leaves that spot and never finds another family. It's just like, no, I don't believe that. I he believe might that like check for Panucci, Fry always, but he would still have friends and a exactly. Life. Yeah. He would still have he would love again. He would still mourn Fry, but like the way they depict it as like this solitary life just dying slowly in front of i'm just like no that's needlessly uh, uh, inaccurate and cruel way to show that um and so that's my that's my thing which is like that's just not i don't believe that that i don't like the dog would still live a happy life it would just be mourning fry's death and they wanted to show that and they showed that in the most extreme way that i think is unrealistic and therefore needlessly cruel Uh uh-huh that's okay, I gotta give I gotta give my spiel on the sad aspect then. Um, yeah. I kind of halfway agree. I think this is it's interesting. We talked about this episode setting the template for later seasons, but of course, right. the very first time they did the tearjerker thing, it was actually luck of the Fryrish. And I still yes. think structurally, and I cry every time. I cry every time. I love my brother very much too, so maybe that helps. I think luck of the Fryrish is a better episode, and yeah. and sadder and more profound. But the one that with said, his mom later too. The one. With I, well, his mom. I don't want to talk about that because we'll get to it. That's my favorite yeah. Futurama episode. Period. Um, but or I mean the most profound to me but um uh this one which did work on me very hard the first time and continues to work on me because one of the key traumas in my life i've had a very lucky life in this regard in terms of people dying around me is my dog that i had to give up in the divorce like i know he's still alive i i wonder if he still thinks of me it really fucks me up to think about him i i have vivid memories of the last time when I handed him to my ex and what his eyes looked like as I left. Um, and it really fucks me up. I really hate that, that she got that dog. I I wanted that dog. I should have fought for him more. I feel like I betrayed him by not fighting for him more, et cetera. So, of course, this episode makes me cry, right? Anyone who's yeah. had a dog well, die no, or taken it makes away, me cry. Make, right. it makes me cry too. I but just I think, agree with you that you're like, that's so easy. It really is like shooting fish in a barrel. Right. And because it, the positive side, like Fry and and Fry and Seymour's relationship and the true joy of having a pet is not very profoundly handled. He just yeah. has fun times with him, right? That's yeah, that's what that's why I mean is like I think it's needlessly like of course it's going to make you cry cuz it's thought up the most unrealistically Suddenly, sad version. All of a sudden you're like, "Oh shit, the dog died." Oh my god, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's surprising because it's so sudden. I also noticed for the first time this episode that he literally says, "I won't be gone long, Seymour. You wait here until I get back." 
Oh, you so know, the, I, yeah. The idea That's is a, that the dog did it because he was ordered to, which is even yep. darker and more fucked up. Yeah, and uh, again, I just it's like whenever it's for me it's the equivalent of like the hostile films which is like isn't this scary and it's but like see, yeah, I won't it's torture i'll go like, halfway that far scary where it's like this I is like isn't this good. sad and it's like yeah it's the it's this is the tragedy version of torture porn well and the way like, oh, it doesn't ahead, it, it's it's just like anybody if to me it's like there are better versions of this this isn't profound it's just the easiest way to make someone cry in a way that i don't even think is that realistic all right well so. i'm halfway to you but i won't yeah or like so if people are gauging how we feel about this time honored episode i'm halfway where dave is um yeah. i still half think it's brilliant and half thing like i do think for what you're trying to do if you want to make someone cry how brilliant is it like whatever animator slash editor slash producer said the way we show the dog's death is that he lays his head on his paws shuts his eyes and at that very frame we cut to credits. It cuts to yeah. credits. The very frame they sopranos, his eyes shut. They sopranos You're like, the dog. That is dark. Sh- that makes me cry. The fact that yeah. you handled it that way is smart for what you're trying it's to accomplish. It's very well. It's very well made. Uh, absolutely. And it's like an anti joke where it's like, what a perfect ending. To tragic make you ending. feel bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just don't find it particularly smart of an ending. Sure. Um, in terms of yeah, the writing and it's I also, actually. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I don't buy it. Like I just don't buy it. And I'm like and I'm like that's I don't buy that the they most... don't notice Fry in the cryogenics tube. How did they not see yeah. him in the tube? I, I that always is hard for me. And that's what it is for me is like when when someone when I'm being emotionally manipulated in a way that I don't feel like is earned, but of course it works, that more angers me than sure. it makes me go like, "Oh, that was good." I'm just like, "Well, yeah, of course that'll make me upset because you did very specific and uh, i would yeah like outlandish things that make it sad so well i also okay yeah well i'm ready for joke rolodex personally but i did my last thought would just be that uh it's of note that it's the first episode where they fuck with the pilot where we go back and fuck with the pilot because we see fry fall into the tube and i just think we'd be remiss as futurama fans if we didn't note that in this episode you can see Nibbler's eye hidden in the trash can. So that means they knew that seasons from now, they were going to reveal that Nibbler was the reason Fry right. went into the past, which is, is pretty that cool in the future. Is that in the first episode? Though? I assume they did it in this Nibbler's one. shadow is in the first episode. Yes. Right. I assume they so didn't know at that time that it was what they were going to do with it, but they knew they were going to do something with it. And what's amazing. I just love shit like that. The foresight, like to me, the ultimate one of all, of course, is looking back at all the clues and arrested development that let you know that two years from now, Buster's hand is going to get bitten off by a seal. That's incredible that they knew that two years ahead of time, but it's incredible. It's also one of those things where I feel like that used to be how TV was right. Like nowadays there's that, like, the one I always say is how Westworld had to stop production so they could finish. So they could figure out, wait, it. what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, stupid. what I used hate to happen this now. Yeah. I know. Like the bar has been so lowered where it's like, yeah, they used to actually know where things were going most of the time. Um, they have still a big were, like, board with their post-it toes. notes and it was yeah. all mapped out. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. We just write Rick and Morty's. And at the end yep. of the Rick and Morty, he zaps everything. So it doesn't matter. And we just continue on. Yeah, That's exactly. every show. 
it's funny because Simpsons kind of gave us that. Simpsons was one of the shows that invented the disposable ending where it turns out nothing mattered at all. And oh, yeah, now all absolutely. shows are that. <laughs> yeah, even shows that shouldn't be that. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm ready for jokes. jokes. This, is, okay. this is good jokes. Not amazing. Futurama Brass oh. Knuckle Co. Yes. So that's why they call you Bender the Magnificent. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. <laughs> and then later, of course, at the end, when he saves the dog from the lava, he says, and that is why they call me Bender the Magnificent. Yep. And then his eyeballs melt. Yep. Let's go check it out. You can see how I lived before I met you, Bender. You lived before you met me? Sure, lots of people did. Bender, really? <laughs> Interesting. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, this was a question I was going to ha- ask. Can't Fry just work at one of these museums? He's always needs a oh, job. He, he totally should. And they go to mm. the 20th century lands later with the buffaloes yeah. and everything, the buffalo hunt. Uh, the, I like all the signs at the museums, though. So the, the sign jokes there are treasures of the stupid ages, loot, including loot from the recent pizzeria excavation. The exhibits inside are cod pieces of the Federal Reserve chairman. Superfly stuck in amber, which I never even got as a pun until I wrote it down as a note. Oh, fly in amber, superfly in amber. Um, and copper lights of the New York Knicks, which if you don't know, that means fossilized shits of the New York oh, Knicks. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, the wooden pizza for, or the wooden paddle for spanking delivery boys. And, then, and for your information, lady, this was not just used to paddle my butt. It was also used to move pizza and crush rats, tour guide. <laughs> I don't know where you get your facts, sir, but I am a volunteer housewife with 45 minutes of orientation and a Harlequin romance about archaeologists. Fry, don't wave your fancy degrees at me. (laughs) Pizza for Mr. Seymour Asses. There's no one by that name here or anywhere. I hope in time you'll realize what an idiot you've been. I wouldn't count on it. Uh, to Seymour. I like you, Seymour. You're not constantly judging me like all the other dogs. Are you? Yep. He also tells Seymour goodbye, live long and prosper, which is Mm. canonically one of the earliest timeline things that lets us know that Fry is indeed a Star Trek nerd, which I always appreciate. Um, Bender seeing the the dog fossil. Yuck. That's the least appetizing calzone I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bender. eh, Protesting never works, Fry. You're right. I'll give it a shot. Bender later. And then he was re- ejected from the museum by the museum guards. Needless to say, I was mortified. <laughs> uh, the protest. I will now perform my people's native dance. And it is the hustle. Yep. What do we want, Fry's dog? When do we want it, Fry's dog? Um, is that his ex-girlfriend, by the way? She's there. Yeah, his ex is in the crowd. They just reused that animation. Huh? Also, uh... This is like digging up Lassie and putting her on display in the Louvre. But Lassie is on display in the Louvre. Yeah. I know. I was purposely describing a similar situation. <laughs> um, all the fucking dog at Panucci's. Uh, have you been swimming in the sewer again? Wiping yeah. him with the dough. Him swimming in the sauce. He's so cute. He can do two things at the <laughs> same time. Eat and swim. Oh, three things. Fry, you can't keep boogieing like this. You'll come down with a fever of some kind. <laughs> I also love, uh, his name was Seymour, and he was once intimate with the leg of a wandering saxophonist, which I have to imagine is Leela's ex who noodles on the sax. Oh, you're right. He probably smelled Leela on the leg. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the timeline doesn't match up, but, but okay. why not? 
um, the the Zoid bird cutting in half with human feet, and then I was all in this part. It's magic. <laughs> Bender uh, gets sad and cries as he's a magician, and his tears turn into balloons, then doves, then yes. flowers pop out of his antenna, which I'll remind you we know from episode three is his penis. <laughs> right. There's so the scarves later where he gives him the scarves to cry, and they mm-hmm. keep coming out. Um, when he comes back with the dog, yay, he's back, and he's looking for a garbage can to put the rock in. <laughs> Here you go, buddy. <laughs> Take that, Grim Reaper. Crappy and effective Reaper. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> the flashback with Panucci. What's with Seymour? It's like he don't want you to go, <laughs> or he thinks your pants is too short or something, which is crazy, because frankly, you look fabulous. Now get now going. get out of here. <laughs> I won't be gone long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the sad line. Not a joke. A dog collar for me? You shouldn't have. (laughs) Uh, Uh, No one ever asked Bender if he would like to live in a tiny little house. Not that I would. A tiny little house that says Bender on it. Seymour's great, Bender. He can dig up bones. And I can't. Hello, Charlemagne. (laughs) (laughs) I like the um, Leela and Amy in the TNG outfits. fighting and then sorry but we need to practice hand-to-hand combat in case an enemy knocks the laser guns out of our hands and they slide way across the room the first iteration of let's make amy and leela impossibly sexy and then have fry ignore it yeah the group showers later is one i always remember that's so good bender this has nothing to do with you that's not possible (laughs) (laughs) throwing the dog in lava (laughs) now i'm all you got fry's outgoing voicemail If you're calling about the used towels, they're still available for $45 each. (laughs) (laughs) After he uh, throws the dog in. So anyway, your dog is melted. Now we're friends again. Initiating dog brain cat scan I liked. Oh, yeah. Pretty dumb, but I like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Professor, you see that fossil was made of dolomite, the tough black mineral that won't cop out when there's heat all about. In contrast, observe its effect on this ice swan. Of course, that would have <laughs> that would have melted anyway. I just wanted to get rid of it. Uh, Acting like a moron won't bring your dog back, Fry. Then all hope is lost. <laughs> <laughs> when Bender uh, saves the dog, I should have understood how someone could love an inferior creature because I love you. I love, uh, please stop crying, Fry. I assumed you were just pretending to love the dog to toy with me. What have I done, Zoidberg? <laughs> you didn't do anything. Don't beat yourself up about it. <laughs> uh, you can't solve all your problems by freezing them, boss. I think you're forgetting our motto, the sign that says you can solve all your problems by freezing them. And then it shows that he froze his naggy wife with the rolling pin in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the line that starts that sequence. Ugh. I am one hungover cryogenicist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the ongoing bit of just people thinking they can jump in the lava uh-huh. and they just keep uh, like, and then by the time it's Leela, he just goes, professor, lava, hot. I like the recurring bit that the dad is scared of Y2K. And yep. when they come to find Fry at the cryo lab, he goes, sorry, we're late. We all got sick from eating bad bologna. Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, that's see. all I got. That it? Yeah. I'll never forget him, but he forgot me a long time ago. Yeah, that's that. Okay. That's that. Well, Mattress that Man. Can, yeah. Now it's time to compare the two. We're moving right along. Um, this is Knock It Up a Notch. Bam! Energize. What nine? Knock It Up a Notch. Maximum Wolf. Damn! Make it so. Engage. 
No, don't engage. Um, Energize. Uh, it's probably the Futurama. I was going to say, I thought I was about to go, well, we tipped it by saying we're not as big of fans of the Futurama, but I can't go all the way towards thinking it's worse than Dark Page because Dark Page also is positing that the way you heal from trauma is just to relive it. So, for yeah. example, there's this thing called EMDR. And there's this thing called IFS. There's various therapeutic methodologies where you do revisit traumatic events, but you do things. So, for example, in EMDR, you might revisit a traumatic event from a childhood, but you would you would project your current self into the event and be like, what would you do to save yourself if you could or if you knew what you know now? Well, doesn't that right. make you recognize how far you've come and that you're not that little girl anymore? Blah, 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 blah. My point is... I actually find Dark Page pretty irresponsible because it's like if you have a suppressed memory that your daughter died, just look at it. Look at it. Look at it till you get used to it. Look at it. Now you're over it. That's yeah. not how that works. <laughs> I feel the same way, which is like I don't obviously I don't care for either. But Dark Page, I think, is the worst message, um, even though I find the Futurama one more manipulative. And I also just think the Futurama one has better jokes and therefore is more entertaining yeah. where dark page doesn't even have a B plot. And it's, yeah, just and it's like, like, what were the Karen there for? We don't fully know. It's such right, a mess. Which is funny because I always remembered this ep dark page, not like, like fairly fondly, but just watching it again, I was just like, yeah, this is actually kind of pretty shitty. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Well, it's time to answer some questions yeah. then. Two crappy this episodes. Is, uh, <laughs> mm, this is Hailing Frequencies Open, Captain. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Open Hailing Frequencies. Frequencies open, sir. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. I asked for sad questions only. Cool. Um, yeah. Sad answers only. Tyler asks, what would you sacrifice to save a pet? At least a ball sack. Um, Probably other things. Ooh, like I wouldn't sacrifice my ball sack because I still want to have children. So I, that would oh, be yeah. sacrificing children, which feels like a huge sacrifice. Um, but I would, if I already had kids, I would cut my balls off to save my dog's life. I would obviously sacrifice like thousands and thousands of dollars, which sometimes is honestly not reasonable, but I would. Yeah. The worst um, question is like, would you sacrifice the life of a stranger? It's like, oh, ooh, I no, I hate that question. I wouldn't. I'd be really sad and let my dog die. I really think I wouldn't. I would cut some of my fingers off. I think that's as far yeah. as I could say. I'd cut a couple fingers off to if save I, my dog. If it was like, if the stranger was like Mitch McConnell, I'd be like, he's lived long ooh, enough. If I found out it was a dick that died. Yeah. yeah. Or I'd get a, I'd get erectile dysfunction for my dog. Sure. Have to, you know, work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this you already answered this question. Michael Stevens asked, "What's your own personal Jurassic Park moment?" Uh, Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, moment, the right? dog. Yeah, that dog story I told earlier. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about sad dog, I was there when my family dog was put down. I watched her die, and that was that was fucking weird. Like that's a memory that I've never forgotten. Yeah. Um, even though it was like she was old, and at the time it was like, yeah, what else are we gonna do? You know, like this was the best option in right. the moment. But I'll never forget that. Um, Ryan asks, when do you think you will die? I'm, I, have a, I have a prepared answer. I have a prepared answer as well. They want an exact date. But here's if I just say in the morning, then like I'm, it's a one-third chance that I'll be right. Right? If you yeah. count morning, afternoon, and night. So I'm just going to say probably in the morning if I'm lucky. You know? 2052. Um, nice. 
I just have had a really, really, really strong premonition ever since I was a kid that I'll die when I'm 67. So uh, okay. that's what I think. <laughs> cool. It comes up a lot. I dream about it, stuff like that. Um, Lancaster, the one to watch for AJ, asks, why don't our pets live forever? Dave, they asked me specifically, dude, but I feel like... Dude, yeah, why not? I have an answer. Because we masturbate. Oh, I didn't out. think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense, though. Because oh, usually yeah. when I'm coming, I think about how my dog's life is draining dog's away. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got two more. One's, one's very serious. I'll start with that. <clears throat> Captain Jub Jub asks, I struggle with severe depression and ADHD. <laughs> I feel like a failure often. No matter how good of work I do, I hate it. And I feel like an amateur has done it. I've helped remodel literal $1.7 million homes. Parentheses, not LA million dollar homes. Nice ones hit against LA there, but I still feel terrible. How do I feel better about myself as a person? I already volunteer, donate and help as many people as I can. I give often to others, but still actively hate myself. Uh, I, no, go ahead. Oh, I feel like I'm less equipped oh. to answer this. Well, I definitely, I have serious self-loathing issues, so I really resonate there, but it's yeah. definitely not this was the wrong venue to ask for useful information or advice about that. I guess yeah, what I would say I, is like, um, I could speak to that for five or six hours. I don't think I can say anything, a bumper sticker length that's going to help you with that. That is really hard, man. I struggle with self-loathing and it's the most painful times of my life are when I'm literally staring in the mirror telling myself, they hate you. You deserve to die. You're a piece of shit. I have, and, uh, I have advice. But I, I have advice, you. but we would have to talk longer for the advice <laughs> can is this good advice this is the thing i don't quite struggle with this issue but any mental issue like i does it help to realize that it is in fact a sickness like it is not there's not you know like you're not a failure oh yeah it it's does. your I'll brain what, it really helps to get down with the sickness if you're able oh yeah yeah Ooh, ah, open ah, up your hate ah. and let it flow into me yeah right. No, like, I, I assume, like, if you write it out like a sickness, if you realize, like, this is like any other sickness, um, you have to you have to fight it and recognize it. I'm, I I hope that helps a little. But like you said, this is it's a big question. No, like dude, I said, I um, ask for sad questions. So. so you're absolutely right. And I'll say the end result. So the reason I I don't know if, if anyone on here listening happens to have heard a fairly recent tales from the pit. I talked about a program I went through that armed me with some tools that have really helped me out. And they really have. And what I meant by that is not that I don't have dark days. Um, the difference is before when I stared in the mirror and cried and told myself I was a piece of shit, I thought I was accurate and that I was observing the world accurately and that I had stumbled upon some great truth and that I really was a piece of shit. Now I'm actually conscious, even while it's happening, that it's an illness and that I'm just vomiting words out and that in two right. hours it'll go away. And the yeah. ability to just be aware of that while it's happening changes it completely, changes yeah. the texture and the feeling of it. So, um, but to get to that point, I do have specific tips on kinds of exercises you can do to get to that point. And so I would encourage you to reach out to me however you're able, all the small beans at Gmail, if nowhere else, and I'll send yeah. some stuff along. Also, have you checked your thetan levels? Yeah. They might and they're be super the high. They're good, dude. I'm full up. I just checked them. Okay, good. Well, I mean, Jub Jub as well. Like, maybe you should make True. LA million dollar homes. Come, come to LA, check those thetans. Fill, fill her up. Fill her up with thetans. Just some cretins with thetans. 
Yeah. At Nerd Numbers asks, your theory that Hugh led to the Borg Queen was awesome. That was your theory, Mike. So, right. Um, for both of you, what from your personality? What from your personality, if joined to the Bor- Borg, would reshape their existence? <laughs> I'd like to think they suddenly will have like a real need to assimilate Chief O'Brien. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, "Ooh, that Colm Meany. We need him. We need Colm." Well, I was just thinking I'd love to see the Borg get self-loathing and be like, yeah, you will be assimilated. But will you, though? I'm sorry. It's my fault. I got to go. <laughs> Depressed Borg is a funny yeah. concept. Your race will adapt to service our needs, which frankly is really selfish of us. And we know mm-hmm. we know we're pieces of shit, but it's what we're doing anyway. All right. It's they, just what we do. It's funny. Star Trek Picard kind of has kind a of goes thought around that. that. A little bit, not quite, but they deal with the idea that the Borg, there's a loneliness there to the Borg. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're the equivalent of those people who is like, I just want to party all the time. I don't want to go home and be alone with my thoughts. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, they just, they always want more, more voices all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But Speaking also, of just, more voices all the time, let's wrap it up. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm I was literally going to wrap it up. I was segue. literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done. I'm done with the it's questions. Okay. No rush. Let's, we let's did it. I think for around. covering two bummer episodes, this was cheery enough, right? Very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where I already said it, but uh, you should say it better. Where can people get the other half of this series? Every other other episode of this show appears over at the Small Beans Network, not on the free feed, although you can get all of our free podcasts, uh, including Frame Rate, our movie one, and I don't know, other ones, by searching for Small Beans. But to get Star Trek The Next Futurama and Spielboys, Tom Ryman and Abe Epperson's show about the works of Steven Spielberg, which is also excellent, you need to subscribe and patronize both Gamefully Unemployed and Small Beans. That's my mm. outfit, Small Beans, over at patreon.com slash smallbeans. I also wanted to say something that we haven't been saying lately that's uh, true, and I think we should amplify more. Um, you can follow us on Patreon now without paying. You can just follow us and you still get the updates to know what content we're releasing. So if you're someone who likes our content, but you've never gone to Patreon or fucked with Patreon because you don't have disposable income or you don't want to use your disposable income to support artists or comedians, that's fine. But like Twitter really sucks now. So if you wanted to not be on Twitter, but still know where everything was happening, you could just go to Patreon and follow us. You don't have to pay. But if you pay, you can listen to Star Trek. Nice. Yeah. 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 All the do all those things. We fit together perfectly, you know? Yeah. Like Luoxana Troy and a dead daughter. Just yeah. meant to be together. Meant to be together. Oh God, that kid died. <laughs> kid died too Took, hard. You know she pulled the dog down. Just her dead body was stuck, you know, in oh, its yeah, fur. Oh yeah, like Jason Voorhees. Pulled it down, yeah. Just killed the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor dog. <laughs>